If we have children who are heading off to children's church, now is the time. We smile because we all wish you had that much energy. Our gospel lesson is from Mark, the first chapter, verses 9 through 15. Hear now God's words for you. About this time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. And as soon as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the sky open and the Holy Spirit coming down on him like a dove. And the voice from the heavens said, You are my own dear Son, and I am pleased with you. And right away, God's Spirit made Jesus go into the desert, and he stayed there for 40 days while Satan tested him. Jesus was with the wild animals, but the angels took care of him. And after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee and told the good news that comes from God. He said, the time has come. God's kingdom will soon be here. Turn back to God and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Over the past several weeks, I've spoken several times about how we come to worship and worship doesn't always meet our expectations. In our heart of hearts, I think all of us has this sort of a vision, uh, an expectation of what real worship, however you define real, is supposed to look like. And we measure everything by that sort of uh, internal idea. It may be a montage of memories from your childhood. It may be a much-beloved pastor from years ago in a whole different time and place. It may be the sound of music, whatever the kind of music that draws your heart. Sometimes it's even the sight and the smell and the appearance of a time and a place when we felt secure and in the arms of both loving people and a loving God. Now, of course, we recognize that there are inherent dangers with those kind of memories. Rose-colored glasses in our minds often make memories which are far better than the reality ever really was and which probably can never be again. It was the end of a worship service and the pastor was standing at the door greeting people who walked by. And one man, obviously upset with a glare in his eye, and bright red in his complexion, said to the pastor, I don't come here to be upset. And he punctuated the air by pointing his finger. I come here to be reassured, to touch base with the things that matter. My life is confusing enough. I don't need church to be confusing. Now that didn't happen here. But it could have. Because all of us have those things we don't want to ever see change or different. This particular man in a different time and a different place was upset because the worship committee had reorganized some things in the way they did worship in that congregation. People look for consistency. You can say whatever you want to about yourself. The truth is we all look for some level of consistency. We want 
the furniture to be the same. We want the architecture to look like what we remember. We want to feel safe and at home and comfortable. Today's the first Sunday in Lent, and into our accustomed way of doing things comes Jesus in Mark's Gospel, and Jesus comes breathless and fast-paced and intrusive. He is baptized in the Jordan River, He is tempted, and He starts His ministry in the space of those few verses. Other Gospels give us a lot more information, not Mark. Everything in Mark's gospel is fast-paced. In fact, Mark's favorite word is immediately. Jesus does everything immediately, or things happen immediately. Once Jesus appears, there's not time to catch our breath. There's no time to step back and passively ponder what's going on. It's now, it's never. Repent now. The kingdom of God is here now. You must change and expect to be changed now. And alas, at church we move at a whole different pace, don't we? A different tempo. Our actions by our natures tend to be cautious and careful and deliberate. Let's not do anything that might upset. We won't rock the boat. We will stay within the norm, the usual. If the definition of madness is doing the same old thing and expecting different results, then the church is indeed mad because we do it all the time. And here we are in Lent. We're beginning that 40-day trek through winter and hopefully eventually towards spring and we sit back and we say well it's Sunday same old place same old preacher same old thing and in a way we're comfortable with that but when Jesus preaches only one matter is ever on the table change it is never change for the sake of change. No, Jesus demands that we be changed. Changed by His presence, His grace, His mercy. Jesus' message is straightforward and demanding. The kingdom of God is here, it is now, and it is time for you to be changed into what God's vision of who you're supposed to be is. You've heard that before. We do this every Lent. Nothing unusual here. But we hate change. All of us do. Even when it's in our best interest. Some of you may remember the great C.S. Lewis story called The Great Divorce. It concerns a group of people who, having spent some rather dreary time in hell, are allowed to board the bus for heaven. But they have to get off at the bus stop some distance from heaven, and in order to get to the pearly gates, they are assigned a guide. And surprisingly, a number of them refuse to go. One refuses to go, well, they all refuse to go because they will have to give up something. One person won't go because his guide is a convicted murderer. and He won't have anything to do with a convicted murderer. 
Another won't go because they will not give up his discussion group. It was a good discussion group in hell, and they talked about morals and religious theories, but they never had any practical application. And he doesn't want to give that up. And then there's the one who has this well-developed sense of cynicism and refuses to be fooled by thankfulness and joy and wonder. And then there's the woman who refuses to go to heaven because she will not give up her control over everybody else. All these poor souls... And they're clinging to whatever it is that keeps them from entering God's holy presence forever. They want heaven, but they don't want it at the price that's going to be required. They want it, but not at the relief of those comfortable sins and sicknesses that they've grown so accustomed to. Lent is traditionally the Christian season of repentance. And repentance really is just another way of saying Jesus is here. It's time for us to change and to be changed. During Lent, we're invited to take a look at our life under the microscope of the gospel and consider who we are and where we are and where we're going and where we want to be in a week and in a month and in a year and ask, is that where God wants us to be? But what change? Virtually every one of you here today, and perhaps everyone, are professing Christians. You've been a part of the body of Christ, some of you, for 50, 60, 70 years. You already know something about the freeing, redeeming work of Jesus on our behalf. You readily acknowledge you're not perfect, but you know that you are, in the, at this moment at least, trying to live out this Christian faith we profess. So what changes for us? On the other hand, there may be somebody here who's not quite sure about the category they fit. They see themselves as a searcher or a seeker, as maybe a believer, but not sure about that. And they'd like to believe, but they got questions they need to be answered. My suspicion is we all have questions we'd like to have answered. We're just not sure where to ask them. What kind of change repentance is called for for those folks. In many ways, the call of Christ for this repentance, this change, is the same for all of us. It's never about whether or not we're good enough, because we know none of us is. It's not whether or not we've been as kind as we ought to be. It's not whether or not we've obeyed enough of the law. It is a call that says we acknowledge we are all failed, fallible human beings who stand in need of grace. Who need to look at ourselves and recognize that there are places in our hearts that needs a fix. It needs to be cleansed 
That's the old word of gospel, isn't it? In a devotional, this quotation jumped out at me. To become one with Jesus Christ, a person must be willing to not only give up sin, but also to surrender his or her whole way of looking at life. Being born again by the Spirit means that we must first be willing to let go of something before we can grasp something new. The first thing we must surrender is all our pretense or deceit. What our Lord wants us to present to Him is not our goodness and our honesty or our efforts to do better. It is the acknowledgement that our life is off base. It's less than it ought to be. We call that sin and actually that's all that Jesus can ever take from us. And what He gives us in exchange is a solid new righteousness. But we have to surrender the pretense that we can do it on our own. The coming of Christ's new kingdom entails the destruction of an old kingdom. Today's gospel at the beginning of Mark is about change. Change not just in us, but maybe even change that affects the greater world around us. It is what we call good news. That's what gospel means. Good news. And it is nothing short of a revolution. And until we're willing to understand that the revolution of the gospel can affect every single aspect of life, we're holding back. We're not letting go of something that we need to let go of. But I know, I know me, I know you, the truth is we don't much like this kind of change. You think we would, as rapidly as the world changes around us, you think we'd have gotten used to it by now? Truth is, we're pretty comfortable in being the people we are. And we're not altogether sure that we want to change some of that. I kind of like me. Do you? I mean you, not me. <laughs> See, that's the quandary. We live in a world that's always changing, and yet we're searching for something that doesn't change. Well, part of the good news of the gospel is we've got that. The God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever is the one who is with us. The one who is rock solid, who doesn't change. That's the God that comes to us in that Old Testament passage about Noah. The promise of the rainbow in the sky that never again will the earth be destroyed in that way. Covenant. We can trust God to do what is best for us. To love us. But you see, here's the thing about that unchangeable God. That unchangeable God looks at us and says, yes, but I expect you to change. See, it's not, it's, God is unchangeable. We're the ones who have to be changed. God doesn't need to. Today's gospel speaks of Jesus entering the world as a demanding preacher, teacher, 
calling people to repent and to change. A fellow by the name of John Killinger wrote a book called Letting God Bless You. And in it, he retells the... the uh, it's a piece out of the great novel most of you have read, uh, Moby Dick. And in Moby Dick, there's a place where it describes the ship's lantern. And no matter where the ship is listing to and fro in the wind and the waves, the lantern, which is suspended on a pivot, always hangs straight down. You can draw a line from it down through the center of the earth because it can move. And Melville says it reveals the lying and the faults about everything around it. So Killinger says the same is true with Christ. When Christ enters the boardroom of a church, He instantly uncovers the shoddiness of our Christian practice. When Christ enters the halls of politics, He reveals the self-interest and the mismanagement of those who conduct the business of government. When Christ enters the bank or the insurance company or the hospital or the law office, He lays bare the failures of people to live by God's standards and desires. When Christ enters the room with one of us, He inevitably shows up our shortcomings and makes us want to fall on our knees and ask forgiveness. All that is necessary, this is the closing lines, all that is necessary for the reign of God to fully come, it is this unwritten rule that everything God does is a judgment that precedes God's full disclosure of grace and redemption for all of us who wait for Him. When Jesus intrudes, it bursts upon our lives and it allows us to become different. But we've got to make the choice about whether or not we'll let Christ make us different. We're the ones that have to decide, are we willing to follow the guide and make this trek to heaven's gate? Hard. Change is hard for us. If the faith you have today is the same as when you first believed, then you've not grown and you've not changed and you've not kept pace with the God who demands something new from us every single day. So Christ comes this first Sunday of Lent are you ready to answer? That's always the question. Are you ready to answer? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.